0: I don't know how aware you are, but uh, tomorrow starts Mental Health Awareness Week, and um, so we just thought it would be really good to show this video. Our friends of our friends over to Manuel have done this, and uh, and so we wanna we wanna be able to share this. We wanna be able to raise awareness of these issues. On Friday morning, we at the prayer meeting uh, up at the castle, we we shared stories. Um, of uh, what we want to pray for. And it was another one of those Friday mornings where you feel almost the weight of the weight of what people are going through and, and we uh we had our friend Gareth down in down in Derry who was with us on Sunday night and had sent a message during the week to say a hundred yards from where they from where they were they have their bus trying to bring hope to the lives of people and young people within their community that a hundred yards from where their bus was at, uh, a young person took their life. And heard other stories of family that have been thrown into turmoil because of issues around mental health. And I know we—it's we, an area that we that we uh, we've touched on before. Um, but we just want to acknowledge that this is this what this week is. And so over the next over the next six or seven days, that you would be uh, aware of highlighting this issue, aware of making it known. And even in a room this size, uh, even though there's not that many of us, one in four suffer from. Uh, from mental health issues, and so I'm aware that it's even among us this morning, and, and we want you to know that it's that it's okay to not be okay, and, uh, and so we want to love you and serve you in whatever way we can. We want to love and serve this community in whatever way we can, and and aware that there's 3,000 plus people living in our community, and uh, and that means there could potentially be up to 700, 800, 900 people. Statistically that are facing loneliness, depression, anxiety, all uh, issues related to mental health and so uh, so we make this video available and uh, if you can share it and make it make it known that would be that would be really good so this morning let me pray uh, just as we go back into second Timothy chapter four um, if you want to find our... Well, um, while well, I'm praying. In fact, I, should, I maybe should warn you, there's, uh, I want to take us to so many different verses today. So those people that, uh, those people that back in the day in Sunday school, we did the sword drill. I don't know if many people remember that. This is going to be your dream morning. We are going to be uh, calling out verses all over the place. And, um, and uh, those competitive ones among you will be searching for it to get there quicker than everybody else. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, thank you for the words that we've already sang, God, and you as we've sung them and as we've as we've stood before you, as we've engaged with one another, God. You just are so familiar with each one of us, God. You're so familiar with us, and you know our hearts, God. You know what's going on within us, and so God, we just pray that as we as we approach you in worship, sung worship, and as we engage with your with the truth revealed in your Word, God, that we would. Um, that we would be real before you, be real before one another, God. That a, a, we just be, we just recognise once again the freedom just to come before you with, with all our failures, with all our worries, with all uh, our 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 feelings, God, and and we offer that to you in light of who you are, in light of what you've said, and so Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would come again. Today and in, in, in the time that we have together, and just enlighten our hearts and enlighten our minds, God, we want to we want to see you so clearly. We want to hear what you have to say to us so clearly. And so, God, once again, I pray that the, the the meditations of my heart and the words of my lips will be pleasing to you, my Rock and my Redeemer. And God, that we uh, that we do this together. We're doing this. We're learning and growing and wanting to to. Uh, to hear you together as community today. So we just pray that you would unite our hearts uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Closest to the back. Nicola, would you get me a drink of water? Water, please. Water. Second um, Timothy chapter 4. Let me read these few verses and then uh, we'll try and engage with some of the things that I feel God has put my heart for this morning Timothy and his or Paul in his closing remarks to Timothy beginning to, beginning to wrap up his letter, his final words, his final recorded words says in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom I give you this charge preach the word thank you, be prepared in season and out of season correct, rebuke and encourage, with great patience and careful instruction, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead to suit their own desires they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn away turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And uh, we'll finish there. Last week we we, uh, we took the first two of those four charges that, in verse 5, the first two of those four charges we looked at last Sunday, keep your head in all situations and endure hardship, endure suffering. As another version says, just really quickly to remind you paul is uh, Paul is writing this letter from from prison he 's writing it from Rome and paul is paul has been through a lot touched on it briefly last week he's uh, he 's been through shipwrecks he 's been through beatings he 's been through stonings he 's faced it all faced through every level of suffering and persecution you can imagine and and uh, and has stood firm and continued boldly to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles and beyond. And uh, but as we read through as we read through Second uh, Timothy we begin to see that Paul knows the time is up. We're not sure exactly what's going on, but it's become really hard even for the supporters, those that 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 were following along with Paul, it became even hard for them to know where he was. They had to go on, on a search to find even where he was being imprisoned. And uh and we begin to read some of the language that he uses, and he knows that he's he's fought the fight he knows that there's the that he's about to appear before the Lord he's aware that the Lord's going to bring him safely to his heavenly kingdom and uh just for me anyway, it just makes these these closing remarks so poignant it makes them it just feels to me just a, the extra weight as I read through these um, four chapters of this letter uh, knowing a wee bit of the background knowing a wee bit of what's going on we touched on that last Sunday and today I want to talk a wee bit about these these final two things that, that Paul leaves with Timothy and encourage us with them, challenge us with them this morning do the work of an evangelist Speaking to the, Paul, speaking to Timothy, but can I speak to you, church, do the work of an evangelist and discharge all the duties of your ministry or as maybe some of your versions will read, fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. <coughs> to do the work of an evangelist. The gospel is good news. And we're told, we mentioned that, that that's what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring good news. And so evangelist. really simply, when we read the, the definition, when we read the original definition of what this word means, euangelion, I love saying that word, euangelion is the Greek for the evangelist. And it really just means a bringer of good news. I love, I love when Garth, I truly do, I love when Garth shares, and he shared with us, as I've already mentioned, at the castle on Sunday night. And he shared those verses from Romans chapter 10, verse, uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 14 and 15. Who, who will, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one who they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? It's written, "How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news." It's the same word, a bringer of good news. And that's and that's it's really it feels really simple, but that's the the final thoughts, the final the final call that Paul is is given to Timothy. Timothy, be a bringer of good news. And as I've been reading through been reading through some parts of some parts of uh, the book of Acts again this week. Many times where where this word is mentioned, good news, and we see those who are bringers of the good news, we see Philip in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 is when Philip runs alongside, he draws alongside the Ethiopian eunuch. This individual who has found himself, um, who has found himself heading from Jerusalem to Gaza and the spirit told Philip, go and stand near the chariot. And so Philip ra- runs alongside it and hears the man on his own reading Isaiah, the prophet. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, how can I unless there's someone to explain it to me? And so, uh, so Philip gets up and begins to present him with the good news. And here we see a, the bringer of good news to an individual. If you were to f- flick on, or scroll down another couple of chapters in Acts, chapter eleven. Really quickly, you, you you know the call of Jesus to the early church, the call of Jesus to those few disciples that were still there whenever he whenever he ascended, and the call to them as the call is to us. The the spirit, the power of the Lord is going to come upon you, and when it does, bring the good news. Bring the good news to Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and uh, and for the first uh, for the first number of chapters, for the first for the first period of time, in uh, in the book of Acts, they stay within Jerusalem. They stay around, um, bringing good news. They stay around, trying to encourage one another in uh, in a place where everyone just looks familiar. They keep the good news to those who look and think and behave just like them. To those that have been brought up in the same way that they have, and so it stays within the confines of this of this one area. And We read in, of the, especially the story of Stephen and how he was stoned to death, and it was then that the that the Christians, that those that were following Jesus, began to scatter. And as they scattered, they began to to, to find themselves in the Judeas and the Samarias. And then we see the first we see the first of these church plants in, in Antioch. And it's in Antioch we read in uh, verse, chapter 11 of Acts, verse 19. It says, Those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far to Phoenicia, to Cyprus, and to Antioch, telling the message only to the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch. and then, And there they began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news. Telling them the good news, bringing the good news about the Lord Jesus. to This is the work of an evangelist. And so we have Philip who drew alongside, bringing the good news to the individual. Then we have the story of, the, of, uh, of those that came from Cyprus and Serene, bringing the message, bringing the good news to the others. Bringing the good news to the others, and so there's a challenge for us when we think of what it is to do the work of an evangelist. It is beyond what is familiar to us. It is beyond those that have been brought up in the same way that we have, brought up with the same the same values, brought up with the same uh, brought up with the same politics, brought up with all of that. But there's now a time where to bring the good news to the others. Bring the good news beyond what is familiar, beyond those who look, think, behave just like you. There is a call as we think of what it is to do the work of an evangelist. It's to draw alongside the individual, but it's also to go to the others. And in verse 14, if you continue to read the story of Paul and Barnabas in Iconium, in Lystra and in Derbe, you'll find that in towards the in the middle of chapter 14, you'll see that Paul was dragged outside of the city and many thought that he was dead. He'd been beaten so badly that they assumed that he was dead but the disciples gathered around him and he got back up and went into the city again. And we're told in Acts chapter 14 verse 21 that they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. They brought the good news. They were doing the work of an evangelist and they did it amidst persecution. They did it Amidst the scoffing and the opposition and all the troubles and all the things that uh, that they faced in certain towns and cities, they continued to do the work of an evangelist. They continued to bring good news. And then, if you if you read, let me just go to one more place. Acts chapter sixteen. Uh, Acts chapter 16, let me just read verses 9 and 10. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to bring the good news to them. God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And here we see, here we see the good news being brought in response to vision. In response to the most extraordinary way that God could reveal Himself was through was through a vision, and Paul seen the vision and responded to the vision and brought the good news in response to it. And there's probably more places that we could go to, and I think those that are familiar with the story of the Book of Acts, you'll, you'll probably probably be already thinking of other places that we are told where the good news is brought. But for me, as I, as I just I skimmed over the story, familiarized myself again with this incredible book, that, uh, that I realized that, that, that to do the work of an evangelist, it, it, it takes different forms. It takes different giftings. It takes different personalities. And there's those that we need that's to draw alongside the individual. To do the work of an evangelist is to go beyond uh, our comfort zone and to those that think, behave um, a lot differently than we do. It's even in the midst of trouble, it's even in the midst of opposition that we continue to do the work of an evangelist, to di- continue to be bringers of good news, and even in response to vision. And we read, as we read through this story, I'm struck again that, that God uses unusual people in unusual ways. And for me, that gives me great confidence. As I look around the room at some of you, so it gives me great confidence. That God uses unusual people in unusual ways. And it's wonderful as uh, we are all so uniquely and wonderfully made. And I'm so glad that he uses, uses unusual people in unusual ways. And so I'm encouraging you that, that, you, uh, that, you, don't, that you don't be afraid just to, to come and run alongside the individual. I'm convinced that there's individuals within your families, even before we think beyond to our communities, there's individuals within our families that are that are longing that somebody would just come alongside. Because they're almost asking that question, how can I understand? Unless of somebody to draw alongside. Unless of somebody to hear my heart. Unless of somebody to hear my doubts and my worries and my feelings. How, how can I understand it? How can I understand the, this? The person that is being revealed. How can I understand that it's being Je- Jesus is being revealed as He was reading through Isaiah? How can I understand unless there's some individual that has go- come across my path and journey with me, get up in the chariot and and and, and partner with me and bring in bringing revelation, bringing good news, doing the work of an evangelist? I'm encouraging you that you don't back away from others. I don't know. I don't know if you're anything like me, but there's times where I've, I've found myself almost backing away because the opinions are so different from mine. I've almost found myself in places where I've been so offended by, by how other they are that I've backed away. And Holy Spirit, I believe, is doing a work in me where that's concerned. That, I, that my fear is that those that are viewed as other whether it's political, whether it's sexual orientation, whatever it is, the longer that we create, the longer we create this distance, the longer we create this, this, this gap of engagement, the, the less impact we're going to have, the less authority I think we have in offering the good news, offering, presenting the, the good news, the person of Jesus. And so I'm encouraging you to don't back away from others. I'm encouraging you. You and I'm encouraging myself that we don't retreat when it gets difficult. That we don't retreat when there's opposition. And I'm encouraging you: that you don't question when it's out of the ordinary. For Paul, this this maybe didn't, this maybe doesn't feel normal to us as we read the, this account. It doesn't feel familiar to us somebody would go somewhere in response to vision and so I'm encouraging you that you be open and available when God wants to speak and move out of the ordinary and I love every time that we that we open the word that I I I, I just want to just want to locate Jesus I want to Jesus in all of this I want to hear what you're saying I want to I want to catch your heart I want to get a glimpse of your mind and and so I think in Luke chapter four, verse eighteen, I think it is the original, the ultimate mic drop moment. Whenever Jesus is in the synagogue. And he's handed the scroll, he's handed he's handed the scroll of, of, of Isaiah, I think, and he and he opens it and he goes to the place where it says uh, where it says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news. To bring good news to the poor. To to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then Jesus rolls back up the scroll and sits back down. And I'm struck again by by the person of Jesus. I'm struck again by his ways and and as I, as I read Jesus' words as he begins his ministry, and as I follow his life, and as I follow his ministry throughout uh, the Gospels, see over and over again that bringing the good news to people also meant that lives were transformed. It also meant that people were healed. It also meant that people were delivered. It also meant that they were set free. For Jesus, for Jesus, it was never a case of bringing the good news to people so that they could repeat a prayer after Jesus and go to heaven when they die. For Jesus, it was so much more than that. For Jesus, being a, doing the work of an evangelist, being a bringer of good news, meant the transformation of people and of villages and towns. It meant people being healed, delivered, and set free. So as I have been, I've been considering this, um, this what it is to do the work of an evangelist this week. Let me just take you back really quickly to two Wednesday nights ago, and as we, and we talked through that Wednesday night of some of the obstacles I think that are in me and p- p- possibly in us as a church or in the wider church, and one of those obstacles I think is the is a culture, the ev- evangelistic evangelistic culture. And there's probably a better words that I could and should use for that. But essentially, it was whenever we fall into the trap of leaving all of the the work of bringing the good news to the one who has all the answers or to the one who has the gift. And for me, I think it's a, it's an obstacle on what God wants to do and how he wants to see uh, the good news being brought, to see the freedom being offer to see a recovery of sight and to see the oppressed set free and I just think something has to happen within each one of us individually and so I'm reading again I'm reading through the places where it mentions the good news where it mentions the gospel and so what I'm encouraging you with and what I'm inviting you in to be challenged with to start to question yourself with as you think about your lifestyle as you think about the decisions that you've made this week as you think about opportunities that you've maybe had and, and maybe have slipped through your fingertips, uh, I, I've been, found myself provoked by the words of Paul in the first chapter of Romans. And he says in verse 16 that I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the good news. I am not ashamed of, of being a bringer of good news. I'm not ashamed of it because it's this and it's only this that is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first the Jew then the Gentile unashamed of the gospel as I find myself just wrestling through Paul's words to Timothy that's been my prayer this week God I I pray for a uh, fresh boldness, a fresh confidence that it could not be said of me, that I could not even say it of myself that i 'm ashamed of the gospel i 'm ashamed of the good news i 'm ashamed of bringing it and offering it everywhere I go into every environment that I find myself. I find the confidence being stirred as I read First Corinthians chapter one, verse seventeen. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of its power. And so for all of us, sometimes when we use the excuse we don't have all the answers, or we don't have the gift, I think we need to remember that to, to be a bringer of good news, you are... You are unqualified. You don't need the words of human wisdom, but you're qualified as you acknowledge the cross of Jesus. That's all Paul wanted to preach. I knew, I knew nothing among you except Jesus and him crucified. And so don't worry whether you are qualified or not. He uses the unqualified. He uses those who are Unashamed. And as I, read, as I read on through the New Testament and I get to the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, it has these words. 4 verse 2. We also have had the good news preached to us. We have had the good news brought to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. And so again, I'm struck with the challenge of this. I'm deeply struck by the personal challenge of this. Because I'm looking around the room this morning and I'm aware that there's many that have had the good news preached to them. There's many that have, had, have received the good news, that have believed the good news that they have heard. But, but the writer of the Hebrews is saying there is some that it is of no use to because they never combined it with their faith. They never believed that when Jesus said in Matthew 28, go out into all the world and be bringers of good news. And all authority has been given to you. And, and actually, not only has all authority been given to you, but I am going to be with you to the very end of the age. And there's times where we we struggle to fully believe that. There's times where we struggle fully fully engage with that. We don't always take what we've heard in response to what we believed. Combine it with our faith to go. Combine it with our faith to believe that we have been given the authority that we have been given His presence, that his very nature dwells within us, the very person of the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so my fear is that the good news that we have been given becomes unused. What, what happens, the consequences of an unused gospel, the consequences of the, the good news that we have been given that has been entrusted to us being Unused. And so I think he's just looking for a people who are unashamed. He is looking for a people who are unqualified. Looking for a people who, who, who are fearful almost of the consequences of an unused gospel. And so if you follow on in Paul's writing in Romans chapter 15, he tells us that I have fully proclaimed the gospel. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. Paul's ambition is, was to bring the good news where Christ was not known and so Paul who was unashamed who was unqualified who was afraid of it being unused we see him taking it to the unreached and as we see him taking it to the unreached and implanting churches and bringing life to different towns and cities in the region that he was that he was we see that he preached the gospel in regions even beyond as faith continued to grow in the area of activity that he was working in, it began to greatly expand so that they could preach the gospel in regions beyond. And so I think there's something happens within us when we fully when we fully get this, when we become fully unashamed, when we are aware of the consequences of it being unused, when we acknowledge that we are unqualified, and our heart is at to take it to the unreached and it will go unrestricted. There is no restrictions when we fully engage and grasp the good news and the power that there is in this good news. First Corinthians 9 verse 16, Let me let me read these verses. Paul says, yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast because I'm compelled. I am compelled to bring the good news. Woe to me if I do not do it. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul brought, pro, Paul brought the good news unrestrained. He brought it unrestrained. And if you were to go into Galatians chapter four, and I think it's in verse thirteen, you'll see that the Paul speaking to the church in Galatia says, like the reason the reason you heard was because of an illness. There was an illness, and because of my illness, I, I was I was. I ended up being among you. And while I was among you, I brought the the good news. And so even in his sickness, even in his pain, even with the condition that Paul had, he he was undeterred. And I think that something has to happen within us. There's a boldness and a confidence has to take place within us and an unashamedness has has to come upon us and we need to go to the unreached, unrestricted, unrestrained and undeterred. And if we're to stay in the book of, in the letter to in Galatians, you'll read that it is. It's unchangeable. Galatians chapter one verse eight. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. This good news that we've been given, this call to be bringers of good news this good news is unchangeable. It's unchangeable. And the wonderful thing is, on top of that, it's also unsearchable. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. Although I am the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach the Gentiles, to bring the good news to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so as we think of what it is to do the work of an evangelist, I'm asking all of us that we would be unashamed, that we would wrestle through some of this. I think some of this requires us thinking deeply, looking uh, deep inwardly, and asking ourselves those questions around, uh, around how, whether we are ashamed or not, how bold we are, whether we, f- whether we fear anything of the consequences of an unused gospel of what we've been given not being combined with faith to to put it into practice, to put it into action. Be encouraged that, that he uses the unqualified. He wants it to go to the unreached, and he wants you to be confident that it can go unrestricted, unrestrained, and that you would be undeterred. And this gospel, this good news is unchangeable, and it's unsearchable. That's why I'm aware that there is a confidence that is needed, Again, this is, this is my journey. This is part of my story. A confidence is needed. A confidence is needed in the, in the good news. A confidence, a fresh confidence in the gospel. A fresh confidence in the gifting and the calling that is in me as an individual, but also for, for each one of you and for us as a church and for the church. The wider church. There's a confidence needed in the story. There's a confidence needed in the calling and in the gifting. And there's an urgency that is needed. There's an urgency that is required. And as I've, I've used this language before, but this is our watch. And for, as, a, as we've talked about uh, kids and care, especially as we talked around adopting and fostering, I've, I've, I've tried to challenge you and provoke you with the thought that this is our watch. We're going to give an account for how we've looked after and cared for the widow and the orphan, how we've looked after the weak and the vulnerable, the isolated and the lonely. The lost and the least. We're going to give an account for it. This is our watch. We are going to give an account for what has been entrusted to us. And uh, and and I think and Paul was I think Paul was trying to say that to Timothy in the in the first chapter of Second Timothy. Timothy, guard this, guard this good news. Guard this this thing that has been entrusted to you. Take ownership of it because you're going to give an account for the very thing that has been entrusted to you. And I'm trying to balance this out as, I, as I'm engaging with this personally, as I'm sharing it with you today. Even though I'm aware there's a confidence needed and there's an urgency needed, I'm still here and, and, and getting Paul's balance. Because he's saying to Timothy, I know there's an urgency, Timothy, but, but you, need to be, you need to be careful. You need to balance this with, with great patience and careful instruction. If chapter 4, verse 2 but i think as he as he as he begin, as he continues as he continues to close out this letter to timothy i think he has he is identifying that there's a window of opportunity and whenever we came back from jordan and israel i think as we shared our stories and i talked about the church leaders that we had that we had time with in jordan their sense for the middle east that there's a window of opportunity that they are unsure of how long it will last and as I spend time with some guys that are that are just serving and are part of a uh, um evangelism networks across the UK, they're also using this language. And I and I shared it with here a few months back at an event that me and Ian were at, that that the guy got up and shared it feels with all the uncertainty, all the confusion politically and all of that, that there, there just feels like there's a window of opportunity that we mightn't have again for another Number of years, and and so I think that as I as I read Timothy, Paul's letter to Timothy, he is also identifying that there's a window of opportunity, because he goes on in verse three to tell Timothy there will be a there's a time that will come when they won't listen. There's a time when they that will come when they're going to turn aside to to myths and to every other every other desperate uh, search for truth. And I know that you're. I know that some of you are saying that that's already happening. But I don't think on this on on, on the scale that it that it could be because I still think there is people that are willing to listen, and I think there is actually people that are desperate to listen. And I think there is a there is a window of opportunity that people will listen, and they have not yet turned aside. And I know that you've that maybe you've invited people to life seminars, you've invited people to church, and they've they've said no, and you feel like that's a turning away. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's the case. I I think there's still a window of opportunity. But acknowledging that there is a time will come when that opportunity won't be there because they won't listen and they will turn aside. So that's why, again, and I'm offering this lightly, it feels to me that as I read through this story, as I read through this letter and I read through what's going on, it just feels to me like it's a now word. It feels like it's a word for us and for the church today. And so let me be really quick here. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. This is a, this is a word that Paul doesn't use very often in, uh, in his writings. It's a word that this fully carry out. It's not a word that is often used in, in Paul's letters. And so it strikes me that it strikes me whenever I do read it, it causes me to pay attention. So I love those original the original language sort of word studies. it makes me see that well, Paul only mentioned this three or four times. And uh and so other times that he mentions it or later on in this letter, he says that he was he was gonna fully proclaim the message. In Colossians chapter four Uh, Epaphras was wrestling in prayer for the Colossians that they might stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured, fully confident. In Romans chapter 4, Abraham didn't waver through unbelief regarding God's promise but was strengthened in faith, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And so the times where this word is used it's It's a use of God's power bringing the believer to maximum potential, and that's what the Father longs for each one of us, longs that his power would be exercised, that his power would be on display, bringing us to maximum potential and so whether it's a it's those one off moments in life or whether it's just taking stock of what is going on in your life, I think there's times where we're left with a choice that there's an either or moment as we think of of one-off moments, one-off occasions or just our life in general. We can either we either know we either know that we have given everything or we have held back, we have hesitated and we have obstructed what we have to give. And I think that can be in our work. I think that can be in your just in your relationships with one another. I think it can be in the church and it can also be in your calling. And as I finish off, that's what I want to challenge you with. So consider your work, your relationships, your church, but also your calling. As you consider your calling? are you take stock of that? You, you reflect upon that? Are you given everything? or Do you know that you are given everything? Are you very much aware in this moment that you're holding back? Are you aware in this moment that you're hesitating? And that you're obstructing what you have to give. This is what Paul is making sure Timothy never does. Timothy, don't, don't hold back. Don't hesitate. There is a calling and a gifting in your life. There is an urgency that is needed. There is an opportunity that is at hand. And so don't hold back. Don't obstruct what you have to give. And uh, I'm aware that many of you in the room um, did not know me 15 years ago. And it grieves me in some ways because I used to be an athlete. And it grieves me whenever I tell people that, that are only friends with me over the last number of years. And and I say about my ability as a footballer and my ability as as a rugby player, and people just outright refuse to believe me. And so can I just say this morning, you've hurt me deeply. I'm only joking. I'm not. Uh, but I, uh, I loved sport. I was so, I was so competitive. I was, I was. Uh, I just loved sport. I just gave my Saturdays, my weekdays, training, all of that. And uh, it's all of that to simply say that what I, what I hated more than anything, the thing that I hated on a Saturday afternoon more than anything else, I hated losing. I hated losing. But And it was in that losing that I hated finishing a game, knowing that I still had more to give. As there's times where I think that I I, I, I still am learning what it is to be a gracious loser, I think. There's times where even if I'd lost and the game was close and I felt like I'd given everything I could, I was content. But the times when we got beat, the times that we maybe drew... And I knew that there was more left in the tank. I knew that there was more that I could have given. I hated that. I hated that feeling. And I would reenact all these moments. I would reenact if I had chased down the goalkeeper. I Adam, I could have got it. I could have got the ball. If I had chased the ball before we went out for a throw in. If I had done whatever. It could have been so much different. I felt like I would still more to give. I was reading through. I was reading through an article recently and, and I think uh, the, the author of this article explains this better than I am. And they said that there's a saying in sports to leave it all on the field. To leave it all on the field. It means hold nothing back. Put it all on the line. Don't end the game feeling like you could have given more. Don't leave feeling like you played it safe when you had the opportunity for something greater. And actually, just as I read over, uh, as I was just reading over this this morning, it was that final line that that I, that I just want to finish with. And I know that I've went oh, so many different verses. I know that I've taken you all over the place. and And I hope that you've been able to follow through as best as you can. But I'm longing for a boldness in each and every one of us to do the work of an evangelist. I'm longing for each and every one of us to put our hand to the plough and just keep going. Not looking back. And, I, and I'm not being naive when I say that. I know that on that path when you take hold of the plough, you're, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, the path is going to be rocky, it's going to take different twists and turns, but keep your hand in the plough and don't look back. Keep giving it, keep giving it your all. Fulfill your Fulfilled fully carry out the ministry that God has given you so I am grateful that he's given us, each and every one of us a ministry, a duty to fulfill, to carry out so I'm longing that we do the work of an evangelist and I'm longing that we fully carry out all that he has the ministry that he has given to us, so don't end the game feeling like you could have given more Ian and Julie, don't finish the race today feeling like you still more to give. <laughs> but listen to this last night and finished with this. And you um, apply this to your work. Apply this to all of your relationships, all of your friendships. Apply this to the church. Apply this to the season that we're that we're coming into. But I'd also love it more than anything. You would apply it to the calling and the gifting that has been entrusted to you. Don't leave feeling like you've played it safe when you had the opportunity for something greater. So, Father, I thank you.